All right, welcome everybody out there that has tuned in tonight. You're watching Amateur Radio Roundtable. It's a show about ham radio. And you may be listening on International Shortwave on WBCQ on 7490 kilohertz out of Monticello, Maine. And uh, that's a 50,000-watt station, a little bit more than I can run in my ham shack here, but uh, it, it gets out fair. I'll just say that. So send us an email uh, if you're hearing us. Love to hear from you if you're hearing us on shortwave. And just uh, let you know, you can also uh, watch the show if you uh, uh, go on Tuesday nights to our uh, website, w5kub.com, and you can watch the show and join us in the chat room. Um let me give you an email address. I, I, I don't know if I gave you the email address. Tom at W5KUB.com. Tom at W5KUB.com. Send us an email. Let us know where you are. Hey, guys, if you will, I need everybody's help. I don't know why it's so difficult. Uh, only about 40% of our the people who watch the show subscribe. I need you to subscribe. So look at here. Man, look at it. I got a look at that subscribe arrow I got there, man. Please, uh, please subscribe. Hit that little box down there and subscribe. It really helps us out to uh, uh, for for YouTube to help promote our show and uh, it helps us a whole lot. So just please, uh, please do that. Also, we'd like to invite you to join our Ham Radio Facebook group. We have a Ham Radio Facebook group, somewhere between twelve and thirteen thousand hams in that group right now. It's a great group. Uh, a lot of activity in that group and. Just search for W5KUB, and uh, you can uh, you can join right into our, our Facebook group there. Uh, let's see what else is going on. Weather here has been fairly good uh, lately. We got a little bit of uh, maybe some sleet and ice coming in tomorrow night. We'll see how that goes. Uh, let's see what else is going on. Uh, uh, got a new product I want to talk about tonight. It's something I bought uh, that I'm really excited about. And uh, uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, we've got uh, Raisa. Uh, we're going to run that again tonight. Last week, I ran the wrong video. I only showed uh, her putting up the antenna. Uh, I completely uh, messed that up where we didn't have the interview, the little interview before and after. And uh, she has some neat things to say. So we're going to look at that tonight. And uh, if you don't want to watch the uh, antenna uh, uh, shooting video again, go get some coffee or something uh, during that part. But uh, I think you'll enjoy it uh, again tonight. So let's uh, – I haven't heard from Alan. Uh, Alan said he's going to try to make it. He uh, uh, He's running a little late, so uh, yeah, he may pop in here in a little while. I don't know. But let's uh, let's go out and talk with uh, let's uh, let's check here with uh, Glenn. Hey, Glenn, how you doing tonight? Oh, doing pretty good. Um, you know, we got to do the Jackson Ham Fest this past weekend, and now we're already winding up and getting ready for Orlando, uh, putting together that presentation, and simultaneously uh, putting together the one for QSO today's online expo, middle of next month. Got to get that recording in, which is why I've got the headphones on tonight, doing it the right way. But, well, the uh, headphones are making you sound really good tonight. Uh, this is probably the best you've ever sounded. Yeah, I tweaked the audio on Zoom. I found a, a video out there that gave you all sorts of secrets with Zoom, so I tweaked the yeah. audio a little little bit. All right. And uh, just wanted to tell Rich before we turn it over to him that uh, uh, me and his kid editor – 
hatched up a whole bunch of evil plans while we were in St. Louis. We went to a micro center over there together, and uh, we had just all sorts of fun there. But, uh, yeah, we're going to be getting back together uh, in Orlando. So, yeah, there's some evil stuff fixing to happen over oh, there. Oh, boy. I'm looking forward to what you guys come up with. It should be lots of fun. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm getting ready for the ice and cold. I don't have a generator, but they're talking sleet and ice storm and snow. And I work with the power company, and they've got their emergency crews on standby and all of that fun stuff. So it's supposed to get nasty tomorrow, but we just don't know how nasty yet. It's always well, right on that dividing line. We're, yeah, we're right on kind of the edge of it. it. It overlaps up a little bit, but sometimes that can be major and sometimes it's nothing. So you never really know. And, hey, for everybody out there that uh, is, is asking about it, yes, I got my 22 kW generator completely installed. It's, it's on natural gas. Uh, it, it does, you know, the entire house. It starts automatically. And uh, uh, we're ready, man. I mean, you know, I, I don't want to say I'm, I'm waiting on a power outage because that, that's not nice. But uh, we're ready if there's a power outage. It ain't going to happen here. Yeah, what he doesn't know is I've run a 20-mile extension cord to my house. So if it does go out, I've got it, too. You know, the, the funny thing about that, I was talking to the contractor guy and you know, these things are a little noisy. They're not quite as noisy as a, just a standard portable generator, but they're a little no, noisy. They're, and I've they're got, hefty. And I've got bushes, and I've got fence, and I'm kind of down in a, down in a valley that kind of block it. But it's a, it's a little loud. But And uh, uh, I said, well, do you ever have neighbors complain about that? And he says, yeah. He says, what we do, we put them a 15-amp receptacle outside right here, and, <laughs> and they'll, run in, they'll come over and run in a plug-in extension cord, and then they quit complaining. So, yep, that'll do it. So there we go. I'm not. I'm not to that spot yet, here. But uh, uh, I do help my neighbor out on the other side. Uh, we do run a heavy extension cord over his house, and when we have long outages, we do get him, you know, some basic power over there. So yeah, okay. Uh, well, hey, let's uh, let's jump around. Uh, Rich is here with us tonight. Uh, how you doing, Rich? I'm doing great, and uh, we got about. Six inches of snow on the ground here uh, from last weekend storm, and there's this one coming up this week. I think we're only going to get rain out of it. It's supposed to go up to close to 50 degrees uh, tomorrow on Thursday, so uh, I think we're only going to get rain from it. So it'll melt off some of the snow that we got just a little bit east of us out on Long Island and on the Jersey Shore. Though they got really hit hard, uh, full scale blizzard over there. So we got lucky. All right. Well. You guys, I don't know how you handled it up here with all that snow. I, Bill's in a chat room here, uh, WZ1L. He's got two feet up there. I think you're digging out. I don't know, man. You know, and I hear places. I got a friend up in Syracuse. I don't know if he's uh, telling a fib or not, but he tells me he they get like, he's right there on, that, right there on the uh, lake. He tells me they get like 29 feet of snow a year. Now, is that is that possible? Oh, yeah. My, my son spent nine years in Syracuse uh, going to graduate school up there, and they got uh, tremendous amounts of snow. I don't know if it was 29 feet, but uh, certainly quite a bit. That lake effect snow can really yeah. give you a, a real whack. I remember we were up there once. His birthday's in early February. We were up there for his birthday once, and we went out to dinner 
and it wasn't doing anything when we went into the restaurant. And by the time we came out, there was four inches of snow on the ground. Oh, yeah. Man. Oh, wow. Oh, well, hey, hey, man, we are so glad you're with us tonight. Uh, we missed you last week. but uh, Yeah, sorry, that, I missed that's that. That's okay. It, it happens, and, uh, you know, we're uh, we're only uh, seven days away from last week. So why don't you talk to us about CQ and give us a scoop and, and, and all kinds of stuff. So go right ahead, dear. Okay. All righty. Be glad to. First of all, I, I want to give people a little bit of an update. Uh, you know, it's really no secret that we've been having some challenges with uh, our print edition over the last few months and uh, it's been a, a difficult time but we're we're slogging through um we're hoping to get everything back up and running very very soon and get uh, january and february in print and in the mail very soon um the earlier editions we were hoping to be able to get them out as well we're, we'll see how that goes um but in the meantime um we are extending all print subscriptions by whatever the number of issues that we've missed are and uh also making uh, pdf versions available to any print subscriber who uh would like them uh, you can just drop me an email if you want and uh I've got September through December here in my home office. I still need to get my hands on the January one. But uh, any print subscriber who is looking for those issues, just drop me an email at my call sign at uh, cq-amateur-radio.com, and I will uh, send them back to you via email. Um, we, we're really sorry for all this, and uh, it's it's really part of, a long-term trend in the publishing business and uh, the, the rise of, of the internet and you know 15 years ago if you were an advertiser and in this business particular you had like two or three magazines that you split your ad budget among now that same budget in most cases has to be split among a whole variety of different um, venues not only the print magazines but programs like this one and others, similar ones and websites and stuff like that. So those budgets that really haven't changed are being split up in smaller and smaller pieces. So the uh, share of the monthly revenue that a magazine traditionally got from advertising versus subscribers is, is shrinking. So that it's shifting, we have to rely more on subscribers than advertisers to carry the weight. And of course, we don't want to overburden our subscribers because, I mean, everybody's already dealing with all this inflation that's going on and, and supply chain issues. And of course, that's affecting us too. Um, so we're open for ideas on expanding our uh, circulation to uh, bring in new people well, you know we've got 750,000 hams out there and uh, I'll bet a whole lot of them would enjoy reading CQ if they only knew about it and knew how to find us so if uh, people have ideas for innovative ways to reach out to those people um, I would love to hear from you and uh, we'll see what we can do same email address so um, 
again, hopefully very, very soon we can get the presses rolling again and uh, start things moving on a regular basis. So it's been, uh, I know it's been frustrating for all of you and it's been even more frustrating for all of us. So we're, uh, we're doing our best. Oh, you know, some people have, have wondered whether we're trying to push everyone into going to all digital. Uh, we're not. The, uh, the truth of the matter is that, you know, today's publishing world is, is multimedia and an all digital magazine really isn't a sustainable business model. And, and neither is all print anymore. So you have to have both. And, you know, our readers generally really prefer one or the other. And we're not trying to push anybody into something they don't want. Um, but uh, at the moment, we've, we've been fortunate that we've been able to get our digital subscriptions, our digital issues out on a regular basis. Um, and uh, hopefully we will be back up and running on the print side very soon. So I appreciate everyone's patience and understanding as uh, we all move through these kind of uncharted waters together um, as we navigate the pandemic and all the fallout from it, from supply chain issues to staff shortages and all that stuff. So thank you all for, for hanging in there with us. We really appreciate it. So moving on to our February issue, it's our QRP special and uh, it came at just the right time. It gave me the inspiration to finally take the QCX mini kit that I've been sitting on for months now and uh, actually start building it. So here we are so far. I've got the uh, main toroid together and mm -hmm. a bunch of the capacitors installed. And uh, I've only been working on it a couple nights here. So that's uh, finally moving along. A lot of the components are surface mount, and they're already done at the uh, factory. I, when, I'm told. Uh, I'm told the uh, the most difficult part of building that is that toroid, that trifilter toroid. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, it's you know it's a, an exacting thing you've got to do. I have the thirty. Let's line this up. Can <coughs> get it there. You go right there, right there. Okay, got it. Yeah, a nice looking winding job. Yeah, thank you. I have the 30-meter version that's um, 30 turns on the top and then three four-turn uh, coils underneath. You know, what I, <clears throat> what I love about coils, and it, it makes the, the work that goes into it uh, worthwhile, is this is the only component that you actually make yourself. Yeah. Nobody nobody makes resistors or capacitors, but you make your own coils. And how many turns you put on determines the value. And mm -hmm. I think that is just so cool that it, it makes it worthwhile to me to put the effort into carefully winding those coils. So it's What's that monster chip that goes on that board? That is a um <clears throat> A microprocessor. Let me see. Oh, is that a PIC32? Um, I'm not sure <laughs> exactly. I got to find you. Yeah, the unfortunately, the manual is only on uh, is, is digital, and it's on the same iPad I'm using to talk to you right now. So I can't look <laughs> it up. Um, and you almost need a, a magnifying glass to read the numbers on the chip. Uh, no kidding. I know. Yeah. Um, this is the chip. 
but he's got the um, the uh, firmware version on there. Oh, yeah. So I don't yeah. know. Odds are it's uh, a pick. It looks like, yeah. So, but that's uh, it's a 28-pin chip. So yeah, very cool. I, I forget exactly what it is. It's going to be a fun kit to put together. It's uh, very exacting because the case that comes with it is it's very precise in the the dimension. So you have to be sure to get all of your components flush with the board. Can't have them sticking up in a, you know a mm-hmm. eighth of an inch or a sixteenth of an inch. They got to be flush with the board and they got to be in just the right place. Otherwise, it won't fit into the case when you have it put it all together. So it's. Uh, it's going to be fun to build and a challenge. But yeah, Mark, N4BCD in the chat room had a really good statement about there being a Zen-like experience in finishing a toroid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's right. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so, <clears throat> but back to the issue. Um, our QRP issue is on, obviously, low power and stuff like that. We've got a whole bunch of stuff on QRP plus a um, whole lot of other stuff as well. But the QRP special starts out with a story from WB9HTH called Five Watts and a Dipole, My Return to Ham Radio. Um, Jim, WB9HTH, had been inactive for 40 years. He kept his license going, but he had been off the air for 40 years. Finally, after he retired, he had time to get back in. And the way that he found worked best in in his environment was for him to get back on with qrp cw and he's having a ball so it's he he wrote that up for us and that's uh just a fun story uh gene k5pa takes his laptop and his hf rig out to the field to do uh ft8 so you're not stuck in your home station to do digital stuff and he talks you how to do that and uh, then we've got a feature that we've had in the last few years in our uh, QRP special, or Q- QRP quickies, where we've got some short stories from a variety of people on adventures with QRP. And uh, our favorite goat hiker, uh, WG0AT, Steve Gouchet, has a piece on uh, introducing another ham to uh, QRP soda, summits on the air. And uh, in fact, his, uh, his friend is on our cover. And we've got uh, another one, 35,000 miles per watt. Did I mention it was raining? Got to mm. read the rest of that. A 10-meter surprise, the only signal on the band. And I think that would re- look really strange on a piece of wood. It's a piece about the tuna tin 2, not built into a tuna tin. So oh, it was... Okay. Uh, <laughs> Um, we've got our, our QRP column uh, by K8SMA. His topic this month is uh, called Less is More for Suppliers as well. He's got, uh, talks about the, the benefits for manufacturers of QRP and small rigs and things like that and how the QRP interest is really fueling a whole sub-industry here. That's... Uh, Really uh, very interesting piece. For our classic this month, we take you back to the return of our QRP column. We've had QRP columns in the magazine since 1973, but they've gone through various iterations. And the current one came back in 2000, 20 years ago. 
I'm sorry, 22 years ago now, um, by uh, Dave Ingram, K4TWJ, who's unfortunately a silent key. He had been writing about QRP quite a bit in his World of Ideas column for a long time, and then we decided to shift it into its own column uh, back in, in 2000. So if we have his first separate QRP column from then as our classic. We've got a couple of different uh, de-expeditions to talk about, and uh, one of them is in our DX column on uh, the S9OK de-expedition to Sao Tome, which uh, was a really cool operation. And then because it's February, Valentine's Day, we have a de-expedition to Love Island in the Mediterranean by 4Z1ZV, a special event operation 4X100AI, this tiny little island in the Mediterranean. And also along our Valentine's Day mini theme, KB8OIS has an article on the first marriage proposals using Morse code over the radio. Mm. And uh, that goes back a ways. Another February tradition we have from K8ZT is his annual WPX crossword puzzle, because this month marks the beginning of our WPX contest season. We have the uh, WPX Riddy contest on the 12th and 13th of this month, for any of you who are not going to Orlando. And... uh, well, actually, I think, is Orlando that weekend or the weekend after? I think it's the 12th or 13th, right in that area. No, Orlando is the weekend of the 12th and 13th. Okay. Yeah. So if you're not going to Orlando and you do enjoy Riddy, get on the WPX Riddy contest. And then, of course, the Riddy, the WPX sideband contest is in March and CW contest is in April. So every year, Anthony does a WPX crossword where each of the answers resembles a call sign. It may or may not be a real one but it's a lot of fun to play with. Um, If you've uh, read the January issue, you know that we had two part ones of uh, two articles, one on microphones and audio speech processing for single sideband by W5GW and K5PA, and another one on EMP and lightning surge protection for HF radios by NF5SK. Both of those, we have our conclusions this month as well. So we wrap those up. If uh, CW is something you're trying to learn and uh, we've got uh, and and maybe having a a little bit of a difficult time with it, we have a piece by uh, Papa Alpha 2 Golf in the Netherlands on his experience using CW Academy. And uh, he recommends it very highly. So it's something to check on. Um, Sherlock, our uh, electronics investigator, is back with us. And he's uh, investigating noise this month. And Tom, you were talking about your generator and looking for, you know, hoping for a power outage. Mm-hmm. Well, he writes about that too, that uh, he was having some incredible noise on 630 meters and couldn't track it down. And then they had a power outage. And he thought it was wonderful that they had a power outage. Wow. He could then try to track down the source of the noise uh, a little more efficiently. Yeah. So. <laughs> Huh. He, he was happy to have the power go out. I'm, I'm guessing he had a generator, too. Um, among our other columns this month, in addition to uh, the QRP and DX columns that I already mentioned, uh, Matt's Notes is we've got a couple of different generators here. Matt's Notes, we talk about inexpensive high-speed pulse generators. And in kit building, uh, Joe, I'm sure you're out there. 
he writes about a low-priced function generator that you can build in the kit building column. So uh, generating lots of, of good information. Mm-hmm. For our shortwave listeners out there, a listening post column this month by Jerry Dexter. Uh, Jerry talks about the uh, regional shortwave outlets in India that uh, he, had report, he had reported a couple of months ago that uh, they were possibly going off the air, and he's pleased to report that that is not correct and that they are staying on the air. But unfortunately, um, this year's issue of the World Radio TV Handbook apparently is going to be the last one. And it's been a, a tremendous resource for shortwave listeners for many, many years now. Um, there's no reason given for publicly for the decision to shut down, but uh, apparently this 2022 edition is the last World Radio TV handbook that will be published. That's really a loss for the hobby. Um, we've got the results of the USA National ARDF Championships, Amateur Radio Direction Finding, which were held in North Carolina. And uh, Antenna's editor, Kent Britton, WA5VJB, takes us back to basics with a cheap Yagi for 70 centimeters, different versions for different parts of the band. Um, speaking of VHF and UHF, VHF Plus editor N4DTF writes about the approach of sporadic E-season. Good to get your hopes up because the sporadic E will be here and uh, some good DX will show up on the bands. And uh, propagation editor NW7US talks about general propagation coming up for February. Uh, sporadic E-season, of course, you're not going to find in February. That's going to be as we get towards summer. Um, in our awards column this month, um, ki 4 uh, KWR, our awards editor, writes about the Elk Award from Finland. And this is a personal award put yeah. together by uh, our friend here, Raisa. And here we uh, go, right here. She's, uh, she's part of yeah. our team right here. Yep. I hear she did um, really well. Yeah, and she's uh, also got her license in Finland. It's uh, Oscar Hotel 7 Bravo Golf. And uh, she is sponsoring this Elk Award. And uh, it's name, named, obviously, after the uh, favorite creatures of uh, Finland. And you have to, uh, what do you have to do to get this award? It's, it's, it's deceptively simple sounding, but it isn't when you get there. Uh, to trying to do it. You have to work the 10 different call areas of Finland and one QSO with special event station OH73ELK. And, yeah. and then you uh, have to string to a dipole a, across the antlers of a moose? Of that's an elk? correct. Of an elk, yes. And yes I think, think uh, Raisa has operated at special <laughs> operations station a, a number of times, so she's very familiar mm-hmm. with it. Hey, yeah, so I need. I really need to uh, to go for that award. I really yeah. need to go after that award. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, Bill. Glad you could get here. Um, and uh, let's see what else. Contesting. Um, N3QE talks about the importance, and this applies beyond contesting, but specifically for contesting and contest scores, the importance of accurately copying call signs and uh, how getting call signs right can make you a winner 
when you might have otherwise been in second place. He's got a couple of examples of uh, scores that have swapped places because of a greater number of errors in uh, copying call signs. So, uh, but of course, getting it right is something that's important, not only in contesting, but in emergency communications and a whole lot of other stuff. So it's uh, good reading, even if you're not a contester. That about covers our highlights for the February issue. Um, the, we were, were running a little late on getting everything finished up um, for this issue. So I don't think it came online today. Hopefully it'll, it'll be up uh, tomorrow or uh, Thursday. And uh, that's our fault on the production end and nothing else. And uh, again, hopefully we'll be uh, getting the print issue out uh, very, very soon as well. So, uh, all right, that's well, about it. Well, Rich, thank you uh, very much, man, for sharing all that with us uh, uh, tonight. Uh, really, really a lot of uh, interesting articles there. And uh, again, you had mentioned at the beginning, uh, if people uh, uh, contact you uh, and they have the uh, the paper subscription, uh, they, you'll be able to uh, hook them up with a digital subscription uh, subscription. Well, actually, what we can do is send them PDFs of the, the yeah. issues that were missed. Uh, um, if people mm -hmm. do want to switch from a print subscription to digital, um, we can take care of that as well. Um, again, okay. we're very, very hopeful of, of getting the print edition back on track very, very soon. Okay, so, so you'll, uh, you would send them. You would send them the uh, PDF of the back issues. Send them the PDF. Hey, you, you know, know, I look at the PDF. They're, they're, the PDFs are great. You know, you get you get the entire magazine there, and uh, it's it's I, I like it. So, what's that email to send again, Rich? It's to my call sign W two Victor Uniform at CQ dash Amateur dash Radio dot com, and uh, I will uh, get. I as I mentioned before, I have September through December here in my home office and uh i don't have january as yet but hopefully i'll have that very soon as well and uh if you'd like to subscribe which i would love it if you all would um just go to our website at www.cq-amateur-radio.com and you can sign up for print or digital or both all right yeah, that'd great. be great to get the pdfs for my trip have something to read in the airport yeah thanks uh thanks rich I will say, Rich, that uh, I just recovered uh, every issue of 73 magazine in my barn, uh, QST back to the 70s, CQ back to the 70s, and the print versions of those take a tremendous amount of space. So uh, uh, I'm all for digital versions now. Yeah. You know, I uh, I have saved all the years. I've saved all my magazines and uh, it finally got to the point where uh i'll uh, i'll take a stack now to a ham fest maybe 50 or 100 of them and just lay it out and let people take them or i'll throw them away because i just don't have the room uh, of course of course bill's got a barn to store them in so he can probably store many more years there rich thank you we do we do thank have annual compilations on cd by the way for those who like to get the paper copy but not store them all right. We can do uh, annual compilations on CD. All right. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much. We're gonna uh, we're gonna go out and uh, talk with Raisa here in just a couple minutes. Uh, thank you so much, Rich, and we'll see you next month.
Okay, uh, good night, everybody. And I'm so glad. She, uh, right here. She's in uh, CQ Magazine, an award winner. Wow. Cool. Hey, uh, a lot of things to talk about tonight. Uh, we've got we've got Hamfest. We've got Winterfest. Uh, we've got a uh, new soldering station product I want to talk to you about. Bill uh, Bill Brown here put me on this. Uh, I, I'll tell you more about it a little later. Uh, we've got... Um, Several things going. So, hey, we'll be back in just a minute. Don't everybody go away, and uh, we'll uh, we'll see you here in just a couple minutes. Didn't get everything. Time to spice up your ham shack with ICOM's new ID52A handheld. This radio is perfect for staying in or venturing out. The ID52A is now shipping. ICOM's newest handheld amateur radio is a VHF-UHF dual-bander with D-Star and FM dual-mode functions. This radio supports conventional FM communications and D-Star simplex and worldwide calls over the D-Star Internet Gateway. The ID52A is the first handheld amateur radio with a full-color 2.3-inch waterfall display and the ability to send photos over D-Star with a connected Android phone. Features include a wideband receiver with guaranteed range of 144 through 148 and 440 through 450 MHz. It has an integrated GPS receiver, including grid square location. It also has a micro USB for data transfer, programming, and charging. And it's IPX7 waterproof. Visit www.icomamerica.com amateur for more information on ICOM radios. LDG Electronics provides state-of-the-art antenna tuners for every amateur need. From QRP to QRO, fixed stations, portable and remote, an LDG tuner will match your radio to your antenna using our lightning-fast, proprietary tuning algorithms. LDG is a family-owned and operated company dedicated to bringing innovative, quality products to the amateur market. All LDG products carry a full two-year warranty that is fully transferable. Support is only a phone call or email away. We're always here to help you. Visit us on the web at ldgelectronics.com. All right, and we are back. And uh, Glenn was just telling me that uh, he uh, he he sold some radios at this ham fest. We're going to talk about a ham fest here in a little while that he went to. And uh, hey, I sold something yesterday. You know, now that I've got my uh, 22 kW home generator installed, uh, I, I had an almost new 8750 watt portable generator that I've been using over the last few years. And uh, I put that out there on one of the you know social media places to sell you know one of the market sites and uh man within about uh i i'd say within 30 seconds ding somebody wanted it and then there was a second and a third and a fourth wanting it gee whiz maybe i priced it too low i you know i sold it for about 450 knew it was about 550 you know and uh but uh man i, I well, the key is availability. I mean, yeah, you know, well, nobody's I guess it, got stuck. Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, that that's probably exactly right. Okay, well, hey, you know, guys, we messed up last week. Uh, we didn't get to talk to Ray's the last week. So we're going to do that this week, and uh, we'll be back with you in just a minute. Hey, she is the winner of the uh, that contest that Rich was just talking about there in, in uh, CQ Magazine. So here we go, and... Uh, uh, let's see. Um, here we go. Okay. Hey, it is time for us to go to Russia. 
and talk with Raisa R1BIG. Hey, Raisa, come in here and tell us how you doing. <laughs> Hello, Tom. Hello, everybody. I'm very glad to see you. Uh, I'm very fine. I hope that you are too. Hey, we're doing great here. You know, we got our holidays over with. We had a lot of fun and got to see a lot of family and and uh, just a great time of the year. The weather has not been just really bad. It's been pretty nice here. But, uh, you, hey, you had Christmas later than us. Your Christmas, I think, was January 7th. Right? Tell us about your Christmas. Yes, you're absolutely right. Uh, and uh, I have a very nice uh, um, evening, Christmas uh, ever. Uh, I was in Finland that time, and uh, it was a very nice uh, evening and day, and it was snowing in the forest. Uh, <laughs> all this was uh, very nice. Uh, and uh, on the uh, 15th of uh, January, I had my birthday, <laughs> and also um, was uh, in Finland that time, and uh, it was a nice uh, two weeks uh, for me, uh, too, uh, with uh, uh, my... Um, OM, Alex, uh, we were together, and then I came uh, to back uh, to Russia. I have many flowers <laughs> from my relatives and friends uh, here in St. Petersburg. Uh, they uh, celebrated me a little bit later. Well, great. And, uh, hey, I, I hope you got a lot of radio equipment for Christmas and all that. And, and oh, maybe if you didn't get what you wanted maybe next time maybe for birthday maybe you know maybe you'll get it for your birthday there's always hope <laughs> always hope hey yeah. look, hey i know um you know a lot of uh clubs uh, are around the country in different places ham radio clubs uh, uh and they have special events out there uh have you attended any special events uh in russia lately Yes, uh, we have here also the amateur radio clubs uh, in Russia, uh, many of them, uh, and some of them I was uh, visited last year in Sochi or in uh, Rostov-on-Don. It is uh, two cities uh, on the south part of uh, Russia. Uh, and uh, last Saturday, uh, when I was uh, on the air, uh, I took part uh, in first time uh, in the round table uh, in St. Petersburg uh, and uh, the area around St. Petersburg and uh, it was uh, so nice. It was uh, exactly in my uh, birthday uh, and uh, so many congratulations uh, from the friends from St. Petersburg uh, and uh, it was uh, uh, nice experience for me because uh, I made it is the first time. Uh, they are always uh, on Saturday morning uh, uh, on this uh, round uh, table, but unfortunately, you know that I don't have uh, my equipment here in Russia and, and I could not um, be with uh, them, but uh, it was a nice uh, last Saturday. Well, that's, uh, that's great. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, I've been a ham many years. I, I'm not a member of any club here. We do have some clubs in my city. But I, I, I think with COVID, uh, most of the clubs still are not meeting like they used to. Um, uh, are, are you a member of any specific club or have you not joined any club? 
No, I'm not a member from uh, the club, uh, but I am a member of uh, um, of um, C, um, the Russian and uh, Finnish uh, Radio Society. Okay. Uh, I am a member, but not a club. Okay. Well, great, great. Hey, uh, I know you'd operate portable, and I, I asked you, on our, I think our last time, I asked you to demonstrate for us the big shot. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I've seen the big shot. I do not have one, but I like the big shot. It looks like it would be very interesting. And I asked you if you could show us how you operate it, and I want to see how good you are with a big shot. So, um Tell us a little about the video coming up. You're gonna, we're, you're gonna show us. You're gonna demonstrate the big shot. Is that right? Yes, uh, that's right. Uh, and uh, it was uh, my um, um, first time <laughs> when I set up all my uh, radio equipment uh, myself. Uh, and the question was, uh, uh, can the YL uh, organize uh, her portable position alone? And the answer for the question you will see in the video. And then I will tell you a little bit more about my experience with the Big Shot. Okay, well, let's look at that video and I want to see how well you do. So here we go. Hello, my friends. This is Raisa, R1BIG. And I have a question. Can a young lady install a portable ham radio position alone? And I am in this wonderful place. What I need for my portable working? Big shot, because I have no here masts and uh, I will choose one tree uh, and use it like a mast. Of course, I need a battery. And I have uh, my transceiver, my portable transceiver, and the uh, device for checking uh, SWR. It is very important, but I need it later. Of course, the antenna. I will use uh, Monobon uh, uh, dipole antenna. Uh, it is 20 meters band antenna. Uh, cable. And, of course, it is very necessary to be safety. Let's start! I will use two cameras uh, because I have not um, GoPro camera. It will be so... <laughs> to get it up on the tree. I need this one. <laughs> I 
what I have. Now it's good. My dipole is not high. I don't know how high is it. But I will try. I have to tune. Very good. SWR only one. I'm very happy. Now the antenna is ready and uh, SWR is uh, 1.0. I'm very happy. And now I will install my table and uh, all other equipment. Radio 1, Bravo, India, Golf, Stroke, Portable. Romeo 1, uh, Bravo, India, Golf, Slash, Portable. Good afternoon, your 5-7. My name is Tudor, Tango Uniform Delta, Oscar, Romeo, and I'm 13 years old. Uh, Todor, welcome to our wonderful ham radio world and I'm really very happy that you are a young person and you are in our hobby. My dipole worked very well and the answer on the question in the beginning of my video is yes, <sighs> young lady can organize her portable walking on the air very well. You will see it on the qrset.com uh, where I'm living. All right, well, I'm back with Raysa here, R1BIG, and hey, that great video about the uh, about the big shot there. Is that thing, uh, is, is it easy to use? Is it difficult? Tell us a little about it. Uh, I like uh, big shot very much, uh, and uh, I think that uh, it is not uh, difficult uh, to do. Even uh, if, uh, for example, uh, me, I uh, don't have a very strong hand. <laughs> uh, they are weak enough. <laughs> but even with the, this, uh, I can do it uh, and uh, I can uh, use it uh, and to put the uh, rope quite high. So it looks like it has plenty of power. 
it'll go a long ways. Or is it is it pretty accurate? Is it accurate? Can you put the uh, can you put the rope exactly where you want it? Of course, uh, you need uh, some practice uh, to do it uh, accurate, uh, but. Uh, I don't. Uh, I didn't have any um, problem with it. Uh, maybe uh, one shot or two shots, maybe three shots, but not um, more, uh, because uh, they uh, accurate uh, on the place where uh, you would like uh, to have it. <laughs> All right. Well, you know when I uh, when I put ropes and strings in trees, sometimes it becomes tangled. And it won't come down. Uh, do you have that trouble? Have you ever had that trouble? And what do you do when you get a rope stuck in a tree? What do you What do you do? <laughs> uh, sometimes it's happened, of course, uh, because uh, the trees are. I don't know how it, should I say that uh, many leaves and many. How it's called? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, hey, it can easily get tangled in all the leaves and the branches and yes, the trees. Yes, yeah. Sometimes it's happened, uh, and uh, I could not do nothing. Uh, only cut the rope, uh, and uh, maybe then uh, I can put it uh, down. Uh, but uh, sometimes this um, uh, it is not a stone. Uh, how how it called it in English? Uh, a stone or. Not stone. Uh, did you see in the video this, this uh, small um, metal? Weight, yeah, the metal, the weight, what, the object, I don't know. It, it could be many things. Uh, okay, we can uh, say it's uh, uh, load. Yes, it yeah, is load. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Load. Uh, and the load, sometimes the load is still <laughs> on the tree, <laughs> still now. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I always I always take extra loads with me because I have uh, loads that are still up in the trees at my house that I, that will not come down. Yes, hey, yes, well, look, hey, great, happen. thank you, thank you so much for showing us that um, that video. We we love it. Uh, great job. Looks like you're having a lot of fun there uh, in your portable operation, and you go to some very beautiful locations. And uh, you make ham radio look like fun, and that's what we uh, that's what we like. Uh, let's uh, tell everybody about your YouTube. Uh, they can go to YouTube.com and just search for YL Raisa, and they'll find you. Uh, I think I've got it pulled up here. Let's see. That looks like that's Facebook. But uh, there we go. There's your uh, here's your site on YouTube. Everybody, go to it and join it. Subscribe. And uh, she has a Facebook group. She's got many different groups, but this is her Facebook group. It's just Wild Raisa. Just go to it, and you will uh, you'll see that she's got a lot of things going there, and I think you'll uh, be uh, impressed there. So, Raisa, thank you so much for being with us tonight. We really enjoyed it, and we'll see you again in a couple weeks. Have fun. Thank you very much, Tom. Thank you. Uh, and uh, today I uh, just uploaded a new video on my YouTube channel. Uh, in this video, uh, uh, my friends from Italy uh, taught me uh, to uh, um, to make a QSO in Italian language. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's very fun <laughs> video. <laughs> and uh, welcome to uh, everybody to uh, watch this video. It's very funny. <laughs> Thank you so much. 73 and 88. Bye-bye. 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 73.
All right. Well, that was fun, and uh, I'm gonna have to give me a big, big shot. I think the thing worked very good. And you see the size of the nut that uh, you can shoot with a thing. I mean, wow. I can see why she has to wear the hard hat now. All right. Well, very good. Hey, um, Glenn. Hey, Glenn. Um, why don't we talk a little about? One of the ham fest you went in, since we're running a little late here, uh, and we can do one tonight, and we can do one the next uh, week. And I still want to talk a minute about uh, the soldering uh, station I've got here. Uh, but let's uh, let's get a recap of one of the ham fests. Would you like to do the Jackson ham fest or maybe the St. Louis? Which one do you want to talk about? Let's do the St. Louis Winterfest and keep them in chronological order. No, wait, the St. Louis Winterfest? Yeah, it was actually Collinsville, Illinois, right across the river oh, from yeah. St. Louis. Okay. Did you send... I've got videos for Jackson. I've got videos for St. Louis. Yeah, and i got Louis. videos for Wintercrest, but... I mean, Winter Winterfest. But I think Winterfest and St. Louis are the same. That's why I had the problem. That's correct. Okay. All right. That's why they're the same here. I, yeah, I it's about that. 10 miles across the river from St. Yeah, Louis. Yeah. Okay. Well, you want to do, uh, which one do you want to do, the uh, St. Louis Winterfest first, right? Right. All right, look, I'm going to key it up here and let it run. You'll be able to talk over it uh, uh, and just kind of tell us uh, your experience up there. Uh, so let's see if I can get it going here. Oh, I can do it with one word, cold. Yeah. Well, let's see. Uh, I we, do not believe that my temperature uh, meter in the car got above freezing the entire trip up and back but uh, yeah this was a relatively uh, average ham fest is what i would say but they had a lot of good equipment um good turnout um i did an arduino forum there and uh ward silver came down and did uh, a forum and bob heil was there and uh he did his audio forum and i got to say hi to those folks and uh, here we're just walking up and down the aisles to see some of the, the cool stuff that they had. A lot of older rigs were there. Uh, and, Tom, in one of these uh, images I did just for you, they had a military radio teletype unit that uh, would would seal up in a box. It wasn't a Model 15 or a 19. Yeah, yeah. It was something much more yeah. compact. Yeah, I've seen those. Uh-huh. But uh, there's some Collins gear that they had there. A lot, of, a lot of the good older rigs were there. And, uh, oh, look, this guy even had one copy of my book. Is that right? Yeah. And uh, I, I ended up selling, I, I sold a couple of the smaller radios there. I sold my MicroBitX and some other stuff. Uh, it was the following week in Jackson that I had the big, big fun. But uh, I now, ended up. Did they have, you know, you know, did they have uh, masks? Well, I see one guy there without a mask. Did it was have? not mandated. It was okay. the typical masks are rep- recommended, but it's your option. Uh-huh. Uh, in the hotel, it was mandatory in the hotel lobby. There's mm-hmm. some more Collins equipment. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, you can see the size of the show hall here and the uh, 
the crowd. And I mean, it was it was pretty good. And uh, it was just bitterly cold outside. Well, at least it was inside. That made it comfortable. Oh, it was nice inside. Very yeah. nice. The whole event was inside. They had a nice little concession stand. And uh, Joe Eisenberg uh, drove over from, uh, he's in Nebraska. I like that. And Collins. he drove over. Yeah. And uh, he and I went into town to the micro center that they have there in St. Louis and did some shopping there. And uh, that is just a cool, cool place. So it was all in all a lot of fun on the weekend. There's their ATV setup, amateur television that they had live going there. Mm-hmm. There's a CRT tester. And when was the last time you saw a, a tester and a CRT? Well, when I grew up in the uh, TV shop with my uncle, I, I saw one. Yeah. That was and the there's our time. buddy Ron with the uh, the hats and shirts. Is that, is that Ron right there? And he's got some. He had some really cool shirts this time. And yeah, I'm going to have to get me a couple. But he's got a, a few new ones. He's got the yeah. Morse code that basically says "stuff happens" in in code. Yeah. And. Uh, just a whole bunch of, of nice shirts and, and hats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said, I, I liked about half of his shirts, and it's just like not enough room in the suitcase. Mm-hmm. And the car was already full. There's the teletype I was oh, yeah, telling yeah. you about, mm-hmm. along with some big trans- transmitters and receivers. Mm-hmm. All right, that's uh, I think that's all the videos here uh, from from that particular ham fest. Well, hey, it looks like you had fun here, and you sold some stuff, and you're getting ready to buy you a new radio. You almost got your money, right? Yes, yeah, um, I'm just maybe a paycheck or two away from getting me the Yesu FT101. Uh, MP. That's going to be the rig I, I get for retirement and forward on from there. That'll probably be one of the last radios I buy. And uh, so I'm going out big with it. All right. Well, hey, it's fun to get a new rig. And, I'm uh, probably going to be placing the order in Orlando or yeah. sometime shortly thereafter. All right. Well, hey, great. Hey, next week uh, we'll go. Uh, we'll take you. Have you take us down to the Jackson, Mississippi Ham Fest, and we'll talk a little about it. All right. Yeah, and right after we do that, I'll be headed off to Orlando. That's right. So, so when I come back, I should have some footage of the Orlando event. Uh, I'm going to be doing uh, the ARRL meet and greet with the authors and some of their YouTubers there. I'll be there on Friday and Saturday, and then I'm doing an Arduino forum on Saturday. So uh-huh. Orlando's going to be a lot of fun. All right. Well, I want you to get uh, some good video and talk to people and come back and give us a report on it. I'll do it. It's going to be fun. All right. Well, just, uh, boy, we're, we're doing great on time, I guess. I got one more thing I want to talk about before we uh, invite everybody into Zoom. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, and Bill, Bill Brown's with us here. Bill, told me, Bill recommended a Metcal soldering station. And, you know, I'm thinking, okay, so here's, here's the issue, guys, that 
I've, I've been a ham, and I've been in electronics for 60 years. Grew up with the soldering gun. Most of all our work back then was, you know, with a soldering gun. And then, you know, last year, so I've been using an iron. I've got multiple irons, and I thought, you know, an iron is an iron, but an iron isn't an iron. And uh, for the most part, the irons did okay. But, you know, when I was building the tracker, this little tracker here, and I'm going to show you, I will talk about this later, but here's a tracker in the center right there. You can see the GPS uh, on there. That's the white little spot in the center, and then right below it is the Arduino 32-pin, um, 328P chip. Well, this is a little difficult to build because it's so small. The parts are so small. And uh, so I got, you know, different soldering irons with very small tips. And for the most part, it was okay. I could solder the parts on, you know, under the microscope, and uh, they would solder fine. But on that little bitty board there, there's a ground plane. You know, some of the traces actually go to ground, you know. And my soldering iron just would not keep up with the heat. On that little bitty half post stamp board, it just wouldn't do it. And, uh, man, I'd put it on there and try to heat it up and heat it up, and it would suck the, suck the heat out of my soldering iron. And, uh, uh, and then when I could get some solder on there, it looked like a cold solder joint, and it would just caked up. And then when I'd get in there and try to fix it, then I'd smear it, and it would get on another pin that's only, you know, one one thousandth of a millimeter from the next pin over, and it would get it short. And then, you know, you take your uh, your uh, a solder braid to put on there and try to heat it and get it out. It wouldn't suck it out, so you really make a big mess. And you know, problem, Tom, I could have yeah. given you my first soldering iron. Yeah. It was one of those that was about a foot long. Oh, and yeah. The tip tip was about that big around i know what you're talking about you'd have heated that board up in no time at all you wouldn't have had any problems with it cooling and down i i, I know exactly do, what uh, you're talking about i used to have windows too i i used to have one of those <laughs> i used to have one of those and it had a big old wooden handle on it and it was about you a foot you. and a half long and the tip was had the, the, the tip was as big as my thumb you know it had the cloth cord on yeah, it the cloth yeah, power cord yeah. I've got so, one of those. I just found yeah, one in the barn. Yeah. You can have it, Tom. I, oh, I don't. You. I don't need it, man. Look. So look. Here's It'll what I did. All the parts Here, at once. Here's what I did. <laughs> I finally realized after all these years that you got quality soldering equipment and you got cheaper soldering equipment. I always went for the cheaper stuff, and um, you know uh, some of these soldering. I, I, I have I have bought three of these cheap. Uh, adjustable temperature soldering stations off eBay over the last three or four years, and every one of them's gone bad on me. You know, every one of them's gone bad. Uh, I've got other soldering irons and, and so forth, but so I started thinking. Uh, you know, Bill told me that you know, hey, look at the Met Metcal brand, and my my understanding from Bill there. That a lot of production people, I guess a lot of manufacturers or production people, use the Metcal brand just because it has a reputation for doing the job and under you know I guess high stress and a lot of soldering. You know, you know even though my even though my uh, soldering iron would, was reading you know 480 degrees, 
when I had it on that board, it wouldn't even melt. It wouldn't even melt solder from the solder. Uh, you know, so it just it couldn't keep up with it. So anyway, hey, I want to show you something. So I got me one in today. This is a Metcal. This is the it's uh the smarts it's got some smarts in here i don't know but uh it's got some smarts in here the just i got a couple little two minute videos i'm going to show you uh about it but this is it pretty simple you don't set the uh you don't set the temperature it's all done automatically i and bill i decided to go ahead with a new one i was bidding on a used one but i said hey i'm just going to go with a new one model is that uh that what model that this is the this is the uh the ps 900 Okay. The PS nine hundred. And here's here's the interesting thing. Uh, here's the uh, here's the tip and uh, the soldering iron. It's a nice little iron. The, the very flexible, uh, very flexible uh, cord on it. Let me get back here. And uh, uh, the nice thing about this is you can change tips out while you're soldering. And uh, if you look at this, you can see it there. And the way the tip comes out is you just grab it and you just pull it off like that and then you get you a different tip and you just put it in like that and push it in and the tips install now you might say hey that's hot you know you can't pull it out with a hot well, look they give you yeah, a i was going to say if it smells like chicken you're definitely doing that's it right. wrong well, look hey it even comes with it even comes with a quick thing to pull it out with right here right here while you're uh you know while you're soldering so you know I, I probably won't use it but uh you know you just put that around it and uh burn yourself i guess and you you pull it out so uh now the tips are all you, you can get many many different tips this is a real fine point you can get chisel points you can get water points and so forth i got a couple just real short videos talking about this i want you guys to see it and kind of hear how it works so Again, this is oh, and they send you the little, you know, little stand. It's a kind of neat stand, and it's got your, uh, you know, your sponge in here and the little thing here to, you know, clean it with. It's pretty heavy. In fact, that's not plastic there. That's um, that's some that's a, a metal stand. Usually, uh, you when you buy one of these things, you get a plastic stand. So here's a couple videos real quick. I want you to see about this, and uh, it, it talks a little bit. The heat recovery is almost instantaneous and it's adjusted automatically, so here we go. The Metcal tip cartridge contains a heater that consists of a copper core and an outer layer of magnetic alloy. It's the composition of this special alloy that predetermines the tip temperature and keeps it regulated at the solder connection. Surrounding the heater is an inductive wire coil through which an RF current is passed. A phenomenon known as skin effect causes the current to be confined to the outer layer of the magnetic alloy, resulting in high resistance that causes rapid heating. As the alloy heats up, it approaches its Curie point temperature. This is a physical constant at which the alloy's magnetic properties change. As the properties change, the current spreads through the whole heater, reducing the resistance, which effectively reduces the power delivered. This immediately stops the heating effect. During soldering, as the tip cools, the alloy falls below its Curie point temperature and regains its magnetic properties. The skin effect immediately returns, increasing the resistance and heating begins again, repeating the cycle. As this occurs, the tip self-regulates very close to the Curie point, plus or minus one degree Celsius at idle. The temperature can never exceed the Curie point, 
just as water will only boil at 100 degrees Celsius regardless of the amount of heating power. In effect, smart heat regulates the amount of power delivered to the solder joint. The result is a system that responds dynamically to thermal loads and requires no calibration. Smart heat systems apply direct power to the solder joint. All right, so that's a little about it. Let's see, I got one more minute video here. Let's see what they say here. From the moment you power it on, your OK International soldering tool is ready to perform. Whether you choose Metcal or OKI soldering tools, you get a line of long-lasting interchangeable tips that provide optimal performance with lead-free materials. Both brands of soldering tools employ smart heat technology, which eliminates the need for calibration. By sensing the exact thermal requirement for each solder joint, smart heat delivers a precise amount of thermal energy for the most reliable solder connection. To protect against accidental tip removal, OKI and Metcal soldering tools have automatic fault protection, which safeguards the system and the user with auto shutoff technology. And the auto sleep workstand increases tip life by allowing the tip cartridge to idle at a lower temperature when placed in the workstand and reactivates instantly when removed for fast performance. For the best training, application, and productivity Comes advantages with own in the industry, meter. choose OK International yeah. Soldering Tools. All right. So the, that's kind of the story on uh, on the soldering iron system. I think I'm going to like it. And, uh, you know, I guess what sold me is that production lines are using this type of equipment. They're not using the cheapy stuff like I've always used, you know, uh, most of my time. So uh, I haven't tried it out yet, but uh, I'm looking forward to uh, using it. And, uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't too awful bad. It's the, this is the Metcal. It's, this is the PS900. Very heavy transformer, whatever, and the smarts that are in here. Uh, again, no adjustment. It's just an on-off switch. And um, How does it know what temperature to keep it at? Uh, well, I think the they're, they're by the... Uh, the uh, the tips, the tips, the tips have temperature. They're set for okay, temperature. Okay, cool. So you know it's pretty good. I you know I think I I, I found this one on a Amazon sale. I think it was like two hundred eighty nine dollars, and then uh, then you need to buy you. Uh, I think it came with one tip, and then uh, of course you can you can buy tips, tips, uh, interchangeable tips, different size and so forth. I bought a couple other tips, and uh, uh, you know tips run anywhere from. 13 to 20 dollars a piece They're i like to, how quick they can change that the quick change tips are really yeah handy. yeah so yeah that changes a lot quicker so, than my soldering station so bill thanks a lot uh, again i haven't used it yet but thanks a lot for recommending this brand uh i'm i, I I'm, I'm sold on it already and haven't even tried it yet i'm gonna try it on one of the little circuit boards in the the ground plane a little later but uh I have confidence it's going to it's going to do pretty good. And you know the iron is it, it's it's very uh, I don't know. It looks it, like it, it fits well. It's or small. Good. It's small and it fits. It's light and it fits very well. You know. I noticed how in the uh, demonstration video they do a whole line just like yeah, sh- yeah. Just sweep along the chip like that. I'm not brave enough to do that yet. I've tried I, that. I've, I've tried that. Um, I think once I, I think if you get the solder 
plucks on there, and then you, then you, if you don't get too much solder, you can go right across that sucker, and it'll. And yeah, and you need a good iron yeah. that maintains the temperature. That's right. That's but, right. Uh, I saw a woman in a production line. I was going through an assembly house. She had one of those uh, chips that had a hundred pins on it, real fine pitch processor. Oh, yeah. yeah. And she just went zip, 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 and she was done. Wow. Man. Yeah. And it was all just. She had done so many of them, she knew exactly how fast and how much solder to put on it, and she rarely had to touch up any bridges, you know. That's amazing. Well, you know, I've tried uh, uh, various different other uh, uh, soldering irons, the cheapies. I bought the solder stations and so forth. Now, I, I, did, I did buy a, a Weller, you know, a name brand, a Weller. This is the... Uh, this was a uh, the WM120, very small, very minor, and it did a great job on uh, that those circuit boards. Except when you got to the ground, where it's got that ground plane in here, this one wouldn't do it. And uh, hey, uh, even a even a larger one, even my larger, uh, even my larger. Uh, iron wouldn't do it and you know I thought okay well you know this guy right here should do it but uh, you know it just it wouldn't do it it would not it wouldn't handle the heat it wouldn't recover quick enough yeah, I so, thought a propane torch works really good but the board doesn't tend to survive well yeah I mean to get heat I've actually at one point I actually had this on the uh, the joint and I had my other soldering iron on top of this one trying to get heat you know and yeah. it still it still wouldn't do it so I had a kit I used to sell and one guy sent it back yeah and he says it doesn't work and you <laughs> troubleshoot it and there were big holes drilled through the board and I said, what kind of soldering iron did you use? And he says, well, it was a 250-watt solder gun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He had yeah. melted right through, the, uh, right through the board. This wow. This is my, uh, my $1,000 Weller that I got for Christmas a year or two ago. Yeah. But uh, it is nice, and it's got a quick release. Let me see if I can show you that. The nice thing about this iron is that uh, it's on a phono jack, and you just pull it apart like that. There's a little, there you go. See, it's mm -hmm. got a phono plug on it. Yeah. And there's the tip here. And you just, uh, to change it out, you just uh, you just push it back together like that. So it's very quick yeah. release. and and there's no special, I don't have to use a special tool or rag thing that they've got there. Yeah. I just pull it apart because this part's not hot. So yeah. I can swap, hot swap tips very easily with this system. It's It actually looks like a stereo, it's a stereo audio jack, but they mm -hmm. put power through it. Mm -hmm. But well, it, it's a little pricier than yours because it, it would cost about thousand dollars now yeah and i really don't want to put a thousand dollars into a soldering iron but, but i do have a it yeah. does come with a desoldering tool you yeah know, one of these one of these guys no not seeing it there oh hold it there you, hold it up a little higher there you go yeah yeah you know it comes with that right 
Well, you know, I don't know. You know, they explained this. It, this thing works on um, RF. I think it's 450 uh, kilohertz or something. Right. Uh, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's an interesting concept. And uh, looking forward to trying it out there. All right. I'm going to uh, I'm gonna get the... Uh, I'm going to get the Zoom link uh, here for everybody. And uh, we will... We'll invite everybody to come into Zoom uh, with us. Yeah. Now, I've been using one of the standard soldering stations that has the uh, the the hot air as well. I've got a hot air one too, that and and I've needed that because there's a couple parts, and, a couple parts I have to put on this tracker that I need that. And, and uh, they have a, uh, but they have tips all the way down. The sizes are like TSO one to nine or whatever, and I generally just buy the TSO ones by the bucket load. Uh-huh. Which is their smallest tip, but I don't do the teeny tiny stuff that fits on a flea's back like you do. Yeah, yeah. About all I do is the flea's back stuff. <laughs> yeah, that is tiny stuff, man. I don't, I don't have the dexterity or the eyesight for that anymore. Well, big, big magnifying glass, steady hands, yep. and a lot of patience. Yeah. It, it's. It's it's stuff that you really shouldn't be hand soldering. It's designed for surface mount right. slow solder or in a machine. So we're trying to do stuff that they do in a reflow oven by hand. Yeah, yeah. All right, I just posted the link there if anybody'd like to join us. Hey guys, the uh, show Amateur Radio Roundtable. By the way, if you're listening on shortwave, this is a show about ham radio. I'm Tom, W5KUB, and uh, we're in uh, western Tennessee, ham radio. And uh, we're going to basically close the official show now so people won't complain that our show is too long. Uh, And we're going to go to uh, the show after the show. So we're now going to the show. Wait a minute. This is the after the show show. This is the after the show show. So uh, I got to get that straight. Uh, give us a call to check in. Uh, I, I put the Zoom link in the in the uh, chat room. I'll do it again. And uh, again, I'd like to remind everybody, if you will, please, please uh, hit that subscribe button. Uh, that arrow should be pointing towards your subscribe button right there. Please, please, please hit your subscribe button. We'd greatly appreciate it. Uh, that helps us out a whole lot, man. And uh, join our Facebook group. It's called W5KUB.com. We've got about 12,000 hams in that group, and it's a great ham radio group. Uh, hey, Bill, just uh, real quick, because the weekend's coming up, and I uh, just wanted to mention to any of those, anybody who hadn't, that hadn't left us yet, you know, we are going to do our, uh, we're going to do our dual launch uh, here uh, hopefully Saturday, if the weather holds up, we're going to launch um, two balloons. One is an SPS balloon, and the other is going to be two 36-inch Chinese balloons. And um, we're gonna we're gonna see if we can keep one of them up and around the world. Hopefully, both of them go around. I don't know. They're gonna fly at different levels. The the uh, the two Chinese. 36-inch balloons will probably fly at around 30,000, and then hopefully our SBS will fly about 42,000. 
if it doesn't burst. So we're going to be at two different levels, and uh, I don't know how long they're going to stay together. Probably not very long, but it's going to be interesting. On my tracking page on W5KUB.com, I've got links there where you can actually click, and it'll, it'll track both of them at the same time so you can see where they are uh, in regard to each other. Uh, so, and, and Tom, uh, we uh, modified the software a little bit so that they are on slightly different frequencies on the whisper band. They're about 100 hertz apart, so uh, they shouldn't interfere with each other. And the, it also sends a JT9 signal um, just after the two whisper transmissions, which is sending a uh, uh, six-digit grid square and then another four, so it actually sends a 10-digit uh, a grid square, which is accurate to within 50 feet. So if it lands well, in the good. woods somewhere and you want to go out searching for it, now you know exactly where it is. Yeah. But um, the frequencies are shifted enough that you can fly both balloons, and if they're right next to each other, you're still going to be able to copy them um, on this new uh, adjustment to the firmware. So this is what the amps will be riding on. We've got two identical. Uh, we got we have two identical crafts here that will be flying. This is a. Uh, uh, this is uh, one. This is W5KB107. Basically, we're trying to keep the weight as as low as possible. Well, and, where are you going to put the fridge and the heater? Well, they're going to have to work without it. Um, so, you know, Bill, I, I like the other cells, solar cells like you use and I've used before. These are very delicate. If you if you look at these cross sides, they'll break. So. We have to be very, very careful when we launch this thing, and even when I hold it here. But uh, just to give you an idea w what this thing consists of, you've got uh, we've got six uh, cells. It's going to give us about three and a half, uh, 3.7 volts. Here's the little tracker right here we build. We've got build software running on it. The antenna, the uh, GPS antenna, is actually just a piece of wire that is running at a right angle right there. And then on the bottom side, you're not going to see it because they're green, but on the bottom side, I've got two uh, super caps there on the bottom. Uh, mm -hmm. On the bottom side there. So we've got two identical uh, systems here to fly. It's on, star it's on some 1 8 inch, very tough styrofoam. Uh, the entire uh, system here is coming in at 10, 10 grams. So... That's about Is as light. The antenna weight that, as well. That's what, uh, yeah, that's what the antenna weights. This weighs in at eight. Okay. This weighs in at about eight point seven. Okay. So, so there are our twenty meter, our twenty meter dipole, which is thirty four feet long. It it only weighs uh, one point four nine grams. So, this thing's going to come in right at ten grams total. And uh, we've flown much heavier before, but we're trying to go as light as we can. I like to fly it without the super caps. That would save me about four grams. But uh, you know, you know, Bill uh, Edward flies his without super caps. You got to have about uh, some capacitance help is helpful. I I have used two hundred twenty microfarads, which well, is pretty light, well, but. Uh, your solar minimum solar angle goes way up at that yeah. point. Well, and you know we have experimented in uh, in previous flights to have you know angled uh, panels uh, instead of three sides. We actually put them on two sides, uh, 
and it worked pretty good because I, you know, this thing is actually, I think it's going to actually kind of be in the air. It's got to be turning a little bit like this. I mean, that thing is not going to be just perfectly still. Well, the good news is uh, the uh, solar elevations are start, yeah. starting to come back up in February. Yeah. So it'll work at a higher latitude now. Yeah. So, so if this the is. Dead of winter is really difficult uh, at higher yeah. latitudes, but uh, now it's starting to get get uh, pretty good now so so if this thing does fly level like this uh it's going to take a solar angle of probably over 20 degrees before to start working and anyway bill i guess the sun doesn't get up more than about 40 degrees does it uh, somewhere between 15 uh probably around 15 degrees is where it'll start yeah working. and how high is the sun getting right now i mean it's oh here uh, good um uh, a 15 degree solar angle you'll probably be up around uh 50 oh you think it will okay one degree latitude or maybe a little higher than that now if we take the route and we go up by uh greenland and over the top of england that way it probably won't work the sun is going to be the sun is going to be so low the angle that we probably won't get many reports there yeah yeah much above uh 51 to 55 degree latitude then you're going to have some uh some days where you won't transfer. Yeah, you know, Bill, I was looking at uh, I was looking at the jet stream. But that'll improve as we go start getting towards spring and the equinox. I was looking at the jet streams here, Bill, and man, they're man, they're they're 180, 200 miles an hour in some places. Man, I mean, I they're they're, uh, they're trucking right now. Yeah, this is a this is one. Uh, February is one of the best times of the year to fly. Uh, two reasons you've got the fastest jet stream and you've got very few thunderstorms going on in the uh, uh, in the northern hemisphere as long as you keep above the tropics we had one flight AB5SS-84 I think it was from the South Texas balloon group they came within I don't know a couple hundred miles of completely going around the world they were flying around 30,000 feet or so, and mm-hmm. they uh, dropped down into the tropics around 2 degrees latitude and 8 degrees, and they, uh, they before they made it completely around, uh, they hit some icing and down they came. I want to introduce, this is, a new, this is new for us. Everybody uh, that follows us knows Huey, Dewey, and Louie. They're very seasoned uh, astronauts they've made many 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 flights over the past uh two years uh they've survived a lot of uh crashes they've made it around the world a couple times uh their seasons they're going again they're gonna be riding the sbs the new crew now they're uh they're uh, uh that's 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 two military with one government contractor on the huey dewey and louis side so that's a government uh crew there basically now over on the right side here, we got Larry Darrell and his other brother Darrell. Now they're civilians; they're all civilians, and they're going to be riding the two Chinese 36-inch balloons. So, I think we got them out of your front yard last summer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, so I don't know how they're going to do. They're they're civilians. Our first civilian uh, crew. I don't know, man. And plus, well, it's a good thing you're using hydrogen because otherwise they'd be snorting the helium. Plus, plus, I tell you, I'm not sure I'd be wanting to ride on those two Chinese balloons. To tell you the truth, man. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know. The way the SBSs have been doing you, maybe the Chinese will go hey, further. You know, I wasn't going to do another SBS, but uh, I thought, you know, well, look, hey, I, I'm into Balloon Anonymous. Uh, not Anonymous. Yeah, Balloon Anonymous. Balloonaholics. Uh, balloon I'm a Balloonaholic, just like Bill. And, and I saw your post, Tom, with yeah. all those cardboard tubes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I saw. I, I, I equaled you. Yeah, I, I saw I, that. I, I saw that, and I know that's that's probably yeah, not see, all. I'll that's see probably, your tubes and raise you about fifty. Yeah, that's probably not all of your tubes, and of course that wasn't all of our tubes. And it wasn't all of mine either. But uh, yeah, I had like nine or ten of them. And the interesting <laughs> thing is, some of those tubes had had multiple balloons in them. You know, wow. try, yeah. you know. <laughs> something you need to be aware of for this weekend, Tom. Is Saturday morning. It is supposed to be bitter cold. I mean, you're talking down into the teens. Well, and you've got an ice storm coming up. Uh, yeah, ice and snow coming up uh, in the next two days. Tomorrow night. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's coming north after that. Well, yeah, yeah I tell you, man, oh, it's going to be tough I gotta, here. I got to show you. See, yeah. this is this is a, wow. the, the oh, map that they gave hey, us. Twenty-four and inches. I, I, Bill, I live Bill. right about here, just above that sea. And let me tell you, um, we had uh, some serious um, snow. And let me see. I got a picture of it here somewhere. I was actually in D.C. for the blizzard of 78. That, you can keep that stuff. That That is my driveway, and my house is to the the yellow one there. And I got a, I got an oil fill right about there, okay, that I have to, I have to go in. I, I got about a half a tank. So, I mean, you know, uh, I'm not really worried. And... Um, this is what this is what we post when 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 they come up. That's a Prudential building in downtown Boston. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I don't know what you're complaining That's about. I don't. Story. I don't know. Well, I, I'll tell you what, Tom. You come up here look, look, and, look. and you you try and drive in this stuff. <laughs> oh no, man! No, look, no. Bill, I was look, in look. You, you guys, you guys that stuff let, was like let, beach sand. Let me say this. Let me say this. I don't know what Bill's complaining about. He's got it easy up here. He only got 24 inches. Now he's used to this stuff. Now down here, we might get about a quarter inch here Thursday night. And it's going to be tough, but I got oh, my heck, generator. Three flakes and we shut the town down. Yeah, that's and, right. And they buy all the uh, 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 yeah, they I mean, if I them. take an ice cube and throw it on the side of the street, it'll ruin the whole interstate for a day. <laughs> Glenn, if you have one inch of snow in the south here, it shuts the city down for exactly one day. We had seven inch snow. And they were shut down for one full week. I remember I back in the late yeah. 80, early 80s, like 84, 85, you were iced in for at least a week and a half. Now, now when I lived in Peterborough, New Hampshire. Oh, New yes. Ham Come New on Hampshire, now. Sorry, New Hampshire. Uh, New Hampshire. I <laughs> I, we had a 36-inch snowstorm once, and... I opened yeah. my front door of my house, and there was just a wall of snow all the way to the top of the door with the imprint of a door in it. I had to crawl <laughs> out a window. Couldn't find my car. I saw a little tiny metal tip sticking out of the snow, and that was the top of my car antenna. 
I spent all day digging the driveway out, and I finally got it down to the end of the road when the snowplow came through and knocked 10 feet of snow at the end of my, and snow and ice at the end of my driveway. Uh, yeah. So they had it, the roads cleared within a couple hours. I could actually, once I got my neighbor to plow out the end of my driveway, I could go to the store. But here, you know, they just put yeah. a record on it and hope for the best. Well, what year was that, uh, uh, Bill? Was that 68, 69, no, somewhere that was there? 1981, somewhere in there, 82, maybe. Because you oh, did it in 85, you had something the, similar. Wasn't that the blizzard? No, wait a minute. The blizzard was 78. But, yeah, I, I, I remember my mother oh, no, called. No, she no, said, no, don't I'm come sorry. home. Don't come home. <laughs> It was 92. It was 92. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 91, 92, somewhere in there. Yeah, 92, we had that thunder snow in Birmingham, and we got like 12 inches overnight. That's the one. And that's yeah. the one that dropped three feet in New Hampshire. <laughs> well, it, it, there were drifts in my apartment complex that were two feet high from that one. The snow was 10 foot high on either side of the road. It looked like a toboggan run in the Olympics. Yeah, I would sit in my second story window and wow. look out, and you could watch in the distance as the power lines came down and the you know, spark-like explosions all over town. The whole town was shut what down I, for days. What we worry about is ice, and you're going to get a little ice. Out oh, we're getting ice this trip. And yeah. you get over a quarter inch of ice, you got some real problems. And Tom will get a chance to use his new generator. I'm like, yeah, man. They, they are predicting a quarter of an inch of ice for us tomorrow, or Wednesday morning, Wednesday night, Thursday well, morning. If that happens, look, our power will go out. We have so many trees that fall here. Oh, yeah. I'm sure mine will go out, set. too. You'll be all set now, Tom, yeah. with that generator. Yeah, I'll be driving across town. To, I'll be bobsledding across town to Tom's house to get warm. Come on, man. Yeah. Come on. How long does that generac uh, keep power on your house? As long as as long as the natural gas to keep coming out the pipe. Wow, that's pretty cool. <laughs> they told yeah, me. I, they I they can't told think me of a time uh, that natural uh, gas has not worked. It, you know, uh, it, it's it, you know it's on regular maintenance to have the oil filter change and stuff. They told me if it runs if it runs solid more than thirty days, uh, that they they will come out to uh, resurface it. They don't want it running more than 30 days, you know, without... Oh, good grief. Now, Tom, you do realize that I work for the gas company. Yeah. Your gas yeah, company. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll make sure that you get your gas. Make sure my gas comes in here, man. <laughs> I want to do a shout-out. We got a guest in here from Ireland tonight, and he says he likes the show. And, uh, hey, we're glad to have you. Southeast of Ireland there. We're yeah, he said it was 48-something degrees there. 48. 48. I don't know if that was Celsius or Fahrenheit, but uh, yeah, uh, 48.2. 48 would be pretty hot, man. Yeah, I was going to say, that's got to be Fahrenheit. Yeah, yeah. Well, it does get cold over there. What was it, 2000 I went over there uh, about this time, and they had, I don't know, minus, minus one Celsius, minus four Celsius. And it really wasn't cold. I I said to myself, God, you know, I was, you know, winter jacket and whatever, you know, running around the, the county court there. And I mean, <laughs> well, you know, Bill, what was interesting when I was in St. Louis, like I say, it was 17 degrees the morning of the ham fest. 
and it was cold but not bad. I went to Jackson this past weekend, and it was 28 degrees, and by the time I walked from my car to inside the building, my hands were frozen stiff. I didn't need gloves in St. Louis. I had to put my gloves on, and it was a half hour before I could feel my hands again in yeah. Jackson. That is amazing. Did, did you, by chance, did you see George Thomas down there? Name doesn't sound familiar. I know people by call signs. I don't know your name. Oh, W5JDX. No, I don't remember that call. Oh, okay. Because I, I, I sent him a regret. I says, I'm, I'm confined to home. I can't make it this weekend. <laughs> it was <laughs> actually. Said, Look, I sent him a picture and he said to me, he says, Keep it up there. Keep it up there. <laughs> now, you know that they tore down the old trademark and they rebuilt a new one. Uh, right next to the Coliseum down there, and the new building's very nice. Well, it's good. I'm happy that they uh, had it. It, it, I was, it was a very nice facility, a nice ham fest, and I sold stuff. So, you know, that makes it even better. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, Jackson was, Jackson was fun. Of course, it's only a three-hour drive for me. So that yeah. was easy. I made the decision to fly to Dayton this year. That's probably of a course, good one. Of course, I'm flying to Orlando. Yeah. I win the Powerball. I'll be there to see you. <laughs> if I win the Powerball, I'll buy your ticket. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's 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 only what it's down to hundred and something million. Somebody hit the half billion dollar when last month i missed it yeah and somebody hit a 400 million power uh, mega million the other day oh lord it wasn't me i'm still having no. to work mm -hmm. but uh yeah like i was saying the ftdx 101 mp is right around the corner and right after that uh, i'm getting the icom 9700 for satellite work I got to take my. I was going to go up on the roof today, but we had to show. I, I need to take my satellite antennas down uh, since the rotors are. I aren't, almost bought you a climbing belt in Jackson. Well, I've got a, I got a climbing belt. Well, I was going to buy you one so you can get on top of your roof. Yeah, I got a climbing belt. <laughs> I, I, I know. don't. I don't. I don't need it to where I'm going, but yeah. Well, that's why I was going to buy it just for the uh, irony of it. Yeah. Yeah. Friend of mine. It's too cold. It, to be outside i need i mean i need to work outside on my cobweb and it is too cold to even think about yeah. being outside for more than 20 minutes you know i may just disassemble my satellite station i may just take those antennas down leave them down i don't know i don't I know, know. I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting back and playing with it you know yeah. I'm, I'm starting you know like i say the workbench is cleared i'm starting to get time available again so well, yeah, got to hey, get the antennas put together. You know, I've got a climbing belt. I put. I had a tower back years ago. I had an eighty-foot tower. I put up myself, and uh, I was stupid doing it. I had no experience doing it. Everybody thinks, you know, hey, I can be safe and I can do this, and but let me tell you, um, it it isn't that easy. Uh, things can go wrong. But anyway, a friend of mine worked for uh, the uh, defense depot. He was a lineman, and that's where I got my belt and. Uh, Glenn, he would climb up on top of his telephone poles, and he'd stand on top of them. Oh, yeah. And and he told me, he said, now, when you go up that tower, shake it and just 
shake that tower as much as you can and and and, and threaten it to fall. That's exactly. What, that's what he told me. Do you me realize to do. when I was younger, I used to climb the three hundred foot microwave towers, and I had no fear climbing up the outside of those. I was comfortable, but wow. on the sixty foot punk concrete poles that would sway. I could never get comfortable to those, no matter how tightly I was strapped in. Because they, man. every time you move, the pole shook. Well, I'll tell you, I'll I'm lucky that I'm still here. I mean, I, I remember when I first, and, and I, I've owned several repeaters over the years, and we started off with a repeater on my tower. You know, a repeater ain't going to work very good on an 80-foot tower, especially with two antennas, you know, one at 80 feet, maybe one at 40 feet. It just not going to work that great, but... A ham friend of mine locally here uh, came over one night. It was winter time. It was we had ice on the we had ice on the tower, and we had to just get the repeater antennas up there. So I went up. I put one antenna up. I came down. He went up, and this is nighttime. Nighttime. We had lights up there, ice everywhere, and. Uh, he uh, he was up there in a long time, man. And I, I kept saying, well, uh, "What what's are you okay up there?" He says, "I'm warming my hands." He had his hands in his pocket, <laughs> but but he he swallowed while he was up there. He swallowed a lock washer. Oh, and did he have to wait till the next day to get it back? I, I, I have no idea. I I didn't I didn't ask. <laughs> or did for he that. bring a spare? With I didn't him. ask for that information, so we probably I hope it wasn't one of those those. Spiky yeah, yeah. <laughs> we probably lock washers. Ouch. Oh man, that would be. We uh, we probably put the <laughs> the nut on there without a lock washer. So, but I didn't want to get too upset with him because after all, he was up there on the tower in the ice storm, swallowing lock washers just to help us. Yeah, now I had there a, is um, that was on uh, uh, probably two hundred feet up on a commercial tower, working on the repeater antenna at night, standing on top of the uh, commercial radio uh, FM transmitter antenna. And he said, now, before I go up there, I want to make sure you go to low power at night, right? And he said, yep, yep, we go back at night, we go down to uh, 500 watts. It was a 50,000 watt station. Mm. So he gets up there and it's cold. It's, uh, you know, it's about 10 above zero and there's a stiff wind. He's 200 feet up and he's toasty warm. Well, he comes back down, and it turns out that they had the transmitter was on full power. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He had like the equivalent of an RF burn over his entire body. Uh, oh wow! But he was toasty warm up there, <laughs> and he glowed in the dark for weeks afterwards. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, like I say, when I was climbing towers when I was younger, you know that was that was just part of the job, and I I enjoyed it really. Uh, but there's nothing worse than dropping your screwdriver and having to climb 300 feet down and 300 feet back up with a new screwdriver. Well, that's why you have a bucket. That's why you have a bucket on a piece of rope. The guy down on the bottom can put their screwdriver in there, and you can just pull back up. Well, yeah, we we would have that, but we had no communication. Yeah, yeah. So you know, guys. About uh, this, uh, I, I don't know. This past year, I, I had a friend of mine on that worked with me. He was a radio engineer from FedEx, and uh, he retired and moved to uh, Central Tennessee. And he built his uh, dream shack there. 
he built him a house and uh, he uh, in the basement he had a ham shack it was probably it was probably 30 feet wide by 40 feet long he had nice big ham shack and he was putting up multiple towers last year and he paid a company to come out and help him put the towers up uh, and one young guy, he was like 29 years old, he worked for this company that did tower work. And uh, he was up on the tower, and this was written up in, uh, I think this was in CQ and QR's uh, yeah, uh, QS2 magazine last this last summer. You may have read the story. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, he was up at 80 feet, and one of the bolts or something broke in one of the guide wires. It just snapped. And the tower buckled, and it fell, and it killed him right there. And because of that, Skip did not want to even be a ham any longer. He 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 had a hard time recovering from that. Uh, this 29-year-old, I think, has had a wife and like four or five kids, a very young couple there. So uh, it was tough. Uh, OSHA and different people came out, you know, to investigate. They never found the part that snapped, the bolt that popped or whatever they never found it and uh stuff like that can happen just think of something i might put up when i was you know 30 years old not having any mm-hmm. experience at all using oh, yeah. all, use use tower and use guy wire and use buckles that i got from somebody i look at the stuff you know? i did in my 20s and i'm wondering why i'm still here yeah, yeah same here i had uh, i worked with this guy um, on a summer job and he was putting towers up the Roan 25, and he would carry up one that 10 foot section of tower in one arm and walk up with one hand to the top. He would lock his legs into the tower and pull that up and set it down and bolt it in, and then go down and get another section. And he'd have a hundred foot, 125 foot tower in no time flat, but awesome. he didn't have a belt on. <laughs> I saw I saw a video I saw a video guy uh, carrying you know no gen pole carrying ten foot sections up and putting a tower together. Uh, That's I think what he was. I did. Yeah, he was down in South America somewhere. I mean, they you know they can do uh, amazing things down here. But let me tell you, and, and this is my last story about my tower climbing. I don't, hey. And at my age, I got to be careful climbing steps. You know, going up. Yeah, stairs, I mean, I know. get up over ten feet and I yeah, get scared yeah, of heights. Yeah. So you know, I, I remember I, I one time, I remember yeah. one time I went up my tower and there was a wasp nest up there. It must, it only, it only probably had 15 or 20 wasps on it. So I easily just passed it. But can you imagine if those suckers got stirred up down here below me? I mean, uh-huh. what is stupid, man? No. Mm. Uh, that would be bad, uh, particularly yeah. if they were yellow jackets. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I look at. I just saw a video. Um, we found a whole tray of our eight millimeter films when we were coming up. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! A whole box full of it, and there's a really cool device that uh, you put it on a. Re- it looks like a movie projector, but instead, it has a little screen you can watch what's being played. Yeah, it's and but it digitizes the movies. Yeah, into into MPEG files, and yeah. it's a really cool device. And I just witnessed one when I was about two or three, just after I just learned how to walk, 
where my parents were encouraging me to climb a 12-foot ladder <laughs> by putting my favorite toy on the top. Oh, and they, had, they were standing back taking a film of this, and that's <clears throat> why I could climb towers without fear. I was trained at an early age. All I right, I got, a sto- I, I got a story kind of similar. You know, I had great parents. I, I love my parents. You know the old push mower? You know, no engine, but, you know, you'd push it and the blades would spin like this? Yeah. My dad, I was a little bitty. I must have been two years old. I don't know. I don't remember this. Mom told me. My dad chased me. I probably didn't have any shoes on. My dad chased me with that push mower. And it, it actually, I got a scar by my ankle uh, oh, from, from that. Well, there you have pictures of the lawnmower. He'd just turn it on and let it loose, and then he'd stand back and take a picture of us, yeah. two or three years old, sitting on it, trying to do steer the thing. Oh, <laughs> it's man. just running wild. Yeah, yeah. But we oh. uh, we had no snow. We had no mountains and no uh, hills in Northwest Ohio. So he took the grain elevator during a big snowstorm and created a twenty foot tall snow mountain, uh, and. He'd take his front loader and put it in the grain elevator and then made this huge mountain. That thing stayed there until May. And <laughs> mm-hmm. All the neighborhood kids would come and we'd slide down it. But my dad jumped off the top because we all did because we were smaller and rolled down. When he hit, it went clear up to his neck. He almost went completely inside the thing. Nope. And, From here uh, on out for me, it's going to be the crank up tilt over towers and I'll get on a ladder and do everything that way. That's what I have right now. I, I need yeah. to put it up, but it's a, it's a tilt-over. Right now, my, my satellite antennas, Tom, are eight feet above the ground. Well, yeah, they can be uh, on the ground. They I don't mean, need to go any higher. No, I was going to say, the extra 10 feet's not going to buy you a whole lot. No, it isn't. And, uh, and I, uh, I, uh, I don't need, in fact, that's my regular DX uh, VHF UHF system because I'm on the edge of a 500-foot cliff. So... It's like I have a 508-foot-tall tower. Yeah, yeah. And I can just get a little ladder, a step stool out, and I can work on those to my heart's content. I had that when I lived in Birmingham, and I missed that place. I was right on top of one of the mountains outside of town. We're we're five, six hundred feet above average terrain here. It's about where I was, yeah. I was just, uh, what was it, Sand Mountain was right across the road from me. Oh, yeah, I can almost see uh, Memphis from up here. It's 220 miles away. Wow. Actually, I can see about 80 miles. I see the halfway point. Yeah, I used to drive through that cut uh, on Montesano Mountain. What is it, on 231? Right. right. Coming up from Aniana, I used to come through that cut a lot. That was a really, that was a fun drive coming through there. Now, a friend of mine, Ernie, uh, WA4BPS, He's got a tower light. He's on top of Montesano Mountain. And he's got a tower light there for aircraft. and But it blinks his call sign in Morse code. And with a pair of binoculars, I'm 25 miles away. I can see his tower blinking Morse code. <laughs> oh, that's cool. As I can see the top of Montesano from here. So, Bill, with the, uh, with the jet streams, what they are... We had to go with a new speedometer. That's pretty cool. How did, <laughs> where, where did you get that, uh, we, that we, the icon, that link? 
No, we just he got it from uh, a guy. He was wearing a dark helmet. We actually we have to build most of this stuff. Our you know we have to build it in our uh, roundtable workshop. Uh, most of that was. But that widget, uh, where do you get the widget? Well, I just took a picture of a. I just got a picture of a uh, speedometer, but I can blank out anything and change anything. You know, I mean, you know, with your. With your um, Paint oh, okay. Well, there was a place here in Madison uh, years ago that made widgets that you could actually have controlled yeah. by sending data that looked just like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you could do a whole uh, panel and send it data, and it would actually move in real time. Yeah, but the way the jet stream is right now, if you can get one to stay up, it'll be hauling yep. butt in that jet stream. I don't know. How many of you guys remember this if you went to Dayton? Anybody remember this? That was before this? my time. Okay. I, and I, I think ICOM, they did, after that year, they didn't do this anymore. I think they kind of got in trouble. But uh, they hired all these girls to wear bathrobes, and they're in a... They're in, uh, 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 what shoes uh, slippers and bathrobes and they walked her all around inside the building here at, at hamvention and uh, my son chris uh got them all together and brought them out to our booth when we were outside this is probably i don't know this may have been the 80s i don't know but uh there they are right here i need to send this to ray novak because i think i think ray is the one that uh, instigated this but yeah, that that was I didn't go to my first Dayton was like 2011, 2012 oh, really? thereabouts. Yeah, I think I was there the year after the sewer explosion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the sewer explosion was fun too. <laughs> you definitely missed something there, Glenn. I'm telling you. No, I didn't. You know, it was so funny. You know, I had heard about Dayton all these years, and I finally went uh, when my first book came out, and. You know, it took me forever. It literally took at least the first year to learn all the ins and outs of Hera Arena and, you know, where, how do you get from one area and realize that the areas were color coded with the curtains. Yeah. I didn't figure that out until the second hey, year. Hey, probably my, hey, probably, I've been up here 38 or 39 years now. Probably the first 15 years we were outside. Didn't get into buildings too much, and you're right, man. You know, it's like, uh, who knows what? You know, somebody said, "Well, hey, you want to buy buy that so and so? It's over in that room right there. I can never no. find the room because I was told that if you saw something you wanted it, you bought it then and there because yeah. you would never find it but, again. But after we moved inside, after we moved inside and walked around a few times, we knew exactly where all the different rooms were. So it, yeah. it was pretty well, easy. Um, I remember going. Out, out in the flea market and we'd stand in front of your camera yeah and we'd call call our relatives and say hey check it out <laughs> yeah yeah that was that was i i think we've been i think we've been webcasting maybe 18 about we started webcasting about 18 years ago i think yeah i remember seeing you in the helmet cam at yeah. huntsville many many moons ago that would have been like in 90 90 something i think oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah. I, I i remember that i remember the 80s uh, he he was the next booth over from us uh, for the iwok 
Well, I moved to Birmingham in 84, so it would have had to have been something sometime between 84 and 94. Now, yeah. um, I remember one year uh, when I think probably while Tom was out there in the flea market area of Dayton, it actually snowed. In the it, flea yeah, market. yeah, yeah, yeah. It did. Yeah. Well, there's the, uh, they moved year. it to May from April. There's this year, must uh, be this must be back about 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 eighteen or nineteen years. Yeah, that is the helmet cam right there. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's the. Yeah, helmet I remember cam. one year that a little mini, uh, uh, like a tornado went through the flea market and tents went flying up in the air. Right. Yeah. Oh, the, hey, the, hey. the portageons went flying too. Yeah, I, yeah. Every year, every year I saw that happen. I one year I saw the tents from our thing go up. And cross three three streets and go down, man. Let's see. We got Ron joining us. He's almost getting in here almost before we close it. Hey, hey, Ron. How you doing, Ron? Hello, Ron. Yeah, he's coming. It takes a minute or two. Yeah, to he'll be there. Hey, Ron. Let him get in. Let me tell you, Ron. Cut up. It says 10 o'clock. I think Ron came in right at the ending. Hey, let me make a mount announcement real quick, guys. Uh well, this, is, is. this is the end of our uh, this is the end of our radio show. If you've been listening on uh, WBCQ 7490, 50,000 watts, coming to you out of Monticello, Maine. This show has been about ham radio. We're so glad to have you. Join us again next week. Yeah, Ron, you got just here just in time to sign out. Oh, okay, man, you just <laughs> barely you just well, barely yeah, made yeah, it. I, I want to tell him though. He gave. Uh, I'll tell you, Ron. Uh, Glenn gave you a shout out uh, on your table about all those beautiful shirts that you have there. He, said, he wants the one with the uh, the, the the Morse code. Uh, <laughs> it took, me, it took me a little bit to figure that out because I didn't realize that the uh, uh, the H was shared between the vertical and horizontal words. Yeah, it's like a crossword puzzle. Yeah, I, I mean, I had the, the the horizontal figured out. The H was I'm like. Appens. App- I don't. I don't understand what's happens. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, never mind. <laughs> yeah, a common, commonly known phrase uh, that means uh, excrement um, occurs. Excrement happens. occurs. <laughs> yeah, excrement occurs. Yes. Yeah, but now you had a whole bunch of shirts, and I was trying to decide which ones I really couldn't do without. And I finally said, you know what? I'm not going to do any this trip. I'll catch him next time. Where are we going to see you next, Dayton? Uh, probably Orlando. Orlando. Okay, well, that's... Or, or wow. Dayton. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I, I should have some suitcase space for Orlando or Dayton. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We, we, had, and, we had a good time. We had uh, we had a nice time. I mean, that's always a, uh, that's always a good show for us. Yeah, that was my first time up there, and that was a pretty nice, nice little place. <clears throat> Like the convention center and the hotel being right across the street from it. Now, this is something you wouldn't know if you're not one of the uh, you know commercial vendors. But what they do, they only have one dock. So the way they handle it is kind of nice. The, you know, because it's a winter fest, and they don't need people you know dragging stuff in from outside in the cold. And they only have the one dock. They pull a vehicle in. Close the door, you know, after you're in. They get six guys from the club to unload your vehicle onto great big carts, push them over to your booth, and get you the hell out of the dock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they just get them in one after the other after the other. 
It was a nice place. I enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. And and like I was saying, for me, it was the first real road trip I've taken in two years. And, I mean, it was fun doing that five-hour drive up and back. And it was just relaxing and enjoying to do. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's about a four-and-a-half, five-hour drive for us. So it's not, you know... Yeah, and we've made the trip to St. Louis many, many, many times. I mean, it's, for us, the uh, it's real easy. You go to the end of my street, you turn left. You go down two stoplights, you turn right. You go down <laughs> about a mile, and you get on the highway. That's pretty much me. I went straight up 55 the whole way. You take 355 to 55, till it runs into 55, and... Get off 55, what, 200? You can see the convention center from 55. Yeah, exactly. You know, so Guys, I'm like, going to head out. Uh, yeah. Tom, uh, let me know uh, when if you're going to launch. I, we're shooting for Saturday. Uh, my my, my uh, The guy that helps me, he's going to have uh, eyelids cut on uh, to both eyelids, I think, Monday or Tuesday. So, you know, I mean, he's pretty tough, but I doubt we'll go out Monday or Tuesday after that and launch it. But it's going to be cold, as you know what, on Saturday. Well, I know it, but it's supposed to be mostly clear. So, man, we got this ice and stuff coming in tomorrow night and Thursday. Uh, we, If we don't get launched then, it's probably going to be later the next week. But uh, do a launch, guys. Do a launch this weekend if you're still listening on the show. Um, we're going to... We're going to get them both in the air, and hopefully one of them will stay up this time. It's our turn to have some good luck. Yeah, watch them both go around the world. Yeah, they might do it. That'd be cool. They might do it. Well, maybe these right. guys will find them. All right. Yeah, maybe. maybe. <laughs> All right, look. Hey, I'm, I'm out of here. If you guys want to stay on Zoom, I'll just leave the Zoom on. No, nah, I'm out of no. here, too. It's, we'll, it's time for a snack. Yep. Yep. Yeah, me time too. for that. All, All right. right. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Enjoyed it. See you later. Thank you.